All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. And this uh, Ole Miss team is not very good. Uh, breaking news, the uh, the Rebs, not good. Uh, what sucks is, like, they kind of pitched it well this weekend and it didn't matter because the offense is terrible. Like, I think You're a better point, pitching team now, ostensibly, than hitting uh, in conference play. Yeah, yeah like, you know, I, I, I hadn't even looked at the SEC stats again this weekend. Um. So I don't. They're know. not pretty I, on the offensive side. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's it's bad. Um, I don't know. Like you know, they won the national title last year. That's what I keep telling myself is that hey, they 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 did win the national title last year. It's gonna be okay. Um, Ethan Leger decided that he'd be he's gonna be good at baseball now. I do appreciate that. So they've got like four dudes hitting an SEC play, and uh, that's it. So that's fun. That's really fun. Statistically, in conference play, uh, in conference games only, they are the worst or the second worst offense in pretty much every category, every major category that's indicative of kind of overall team success offensively. And yeah. the second worst or the worst in whatever case it is, is Mizzou. It's them and Mizzou are basically the two worst offenses in the conference. You can take your pick. It's a damn shame we won't get to see them battle it out for that title this year. Um, we do. We do get to see that. Wait, they – we do. Almost goes to Columbia later in the year. That's right. I forgot yeah. about that one. I don't yeah. know why. For some reason, I had Kentucky on my mind, but Ole Miss actually caught a break there. Um, so I want to actually. I wonder if I can pull up the 2017 SEC only stats. I would like to see how they compare. Because you remember that team couldn't hit their butt with both hands. Um. Yes, I do remember that team uh, dev struggling. I wonder. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Like, was it? This I can't. Stat? I can't just get um, SEC stats. I, what I can do is tell you that um, for the season, the uh, 2017 team for the season did not have better stats than the uh, current Rebels in SEC play. So, so, so this team not quite as bad as 2017 offensively. I'd say. That okay. team hit 253 on the year, not an SEC play, on the year. They had a 726 OPS for the year. So uh, that's that, that, yeah, I'm going to say that team's a little bit worse offensively than this one, but still not great. One of the things about that, though, is the different lens through which we viewed it from, right? It was uh, Kessinger and Dillard. And uh, I remember even like Teddy Cahill wrote a column from opening weekend because they had a good first two weekends, right? Yeah. They, they beat. East Carolina, yeah. And then they beat like a Mark Scouth UNC Wilmington team or something the next weekend that was supposed to be pretty good. But I I remember Teddy Kale wrote like the the baby Rebs are coming. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of a half way to look at it, right? Like it's it's a bunch of freshmen. I I guess my point in saying all that is to ask, did did that feel worse? Was that worse on the eyes? Because this team looks like a worse watch on the eyes from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, because you just know that they shouldn't be this bad. I mean, like, man. It like I'm I'm at the point where I'll be honest, I don't know if you can keep running TJ McCants and Peyton Shotnyes out, out there. Like I, I'm I know they're there's you know fourth year guys and third year guys, but like at some point they're hitting 132 and 071 in SEC play after 12 games with a 365 and 289 OPS, not average OPS. Um and, and look, like I know they're trying, it's not an effort issue, but like at some point whoever you would replace them with has to be better. And I'm not saying they should bench them. I'm not. I'm just saying it might be time to explore it. Um, and, and if your options you determine aren't better, then so be it. But, I, I, I you know, 
you said going into this year that those guys especially have a have a long leash. Well, at some point the leash does run out. Yes, you're exactly right. I mean, it is a long leash, but it's not an infinite one. And you, you took me right where exactly where I was trying to go next is you mentioned those two guys. And I'm trying to pull it up right now just to make sure I have this correct. But you had it pulled up. Um, there's two regular guys that start for you every single day, right? They have not come yeah. out of the lineup except for TJ, I think, what missed. He missed uh, a game for a thumb injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, I not thumb, that. leg, whatever. Whatever it was. So he missed a game, but he's played and he started 11 of 12. Those two guys, two regular guys, two of your uh, that'd be nine hitting slots with the DH, they have eight hits and four weekends combined. Yeah, it's not great. That's that's bad, actually. Um, <laughs> that is not great. And you're right. It's it, it's not a trying thing. Like when things like this happen and the team has struggled in the past, at least in the three, four year iteration that we've been doing this podcast, the easy thing to do is say, pull them out of there, get someone else in there. Like we've always kind of stayed away from that because when you work in baseball, you coach baseball, you kind of there, there's sure. a little more to it than that. And particularly, I just don't do it because if I don't have a solution, then I'm just some other, you know, some other clown complaining on a podcast. Yeah. But I, I will ask you, like I, I was going to ask you tonight, anyway are you surprised that that has not been done yet um, um because the numbers made me told me a little bit more of a story of like wow okay maybe they should try something now i'm maybe surprised they haven't done it yet like my i will give mike this and this is you can call it a flaw or whatever i don't i don't call it a flaw i think i think it's a, a tribute to him he's extremely loyal to his guys that have performed before if that makes sense like the guys that have have performed in previous seasons have an extremely, extremely long leash. Yeah. You're talking about two guys. You're talking about one in particular that hit two massive home runs um, in, in, on Ole Miss's way to win a national title last year and another guy that didn't make an error um, for three months last year or four months last year. So it's just kind of difficult when, you know, those guys have performed at the highest level um, for you. But, but at some point, like we said um, – you know, you, you do have to form. And what, what I think, you know, with, with Shotney, unfortunately, um, is the defense hasn't been as good this year as it was last year. Um, you know, 967 fielding, which isn't terrible, but, you know, last year was, was extremely, extremely good. I don't think he made an error after the second weekend. Um, so, you know, and, and, and just off the top of my head, I don't really even know what the solution would be or who you'd go to. Maybe a Garrett Wood. Um, I don't know, but, but, it's just to the point where like, and I'm not even necessarily say this and doing this, you know, indefinitely. Uh, but you remember last year, they, they, they gave him a game off against Kentucky and he came back and was, you know, ha had a solid season after that. Maybe just a, a game to clear that. I don't know. Um, but, but I know that it, 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 it's obvious to me at this point that look, you, anybody that's accusing the kids of not trying is being remarkably unfair. It's obvious to me that they're, they're scuffling, um, and it's it's they're practicing at this point, um, you know, both both guys, um, for the most part throughout their career, have been somewhat disciplined hitters. Um, and it just feels like they're getting getting themselves out more so than, than the pitchers are getting them out at this point with, with chase pitches and whatnot. Yeah, I'm with you there. And that's that's probably more so what I was asking, not a permanent benching like you mentioned, but I was going to bring up the Chatagne piece of it where they gave him the day off in one of those games against Kentucky, comes back in the lineup. Granted, it, it didn't really get better immediately, if you recall. Sure. Um, but they at least tried that. And I'm just curious, like I, 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 I'm, I guess that's really what I was asking because I think at the end of the day, they two probably are the two best options or a move would have been made already. But I am, I was curious as to whether or not you thought that that a day off type thing, you know, should have happened yet. And you brought up the one of the two names that I would only like, if you're asking for a solution here, 
the only the two names that I would think of would be Garrett Wood at second. And then you remember John Kramer started multiple games last year at a series uh, at LSU. And he smoked the ball in a pinch hit opportunity yesterday. I know it was caught, but the ball was hit extremely hard. Yeah, and I just bring that piece of it up to, like, clearly Mike trusts him to some degree. I don't remember what yeah. the situation was last year that led to him having to Leatherwood start. Leatherwood was, was down. That's exactly what it was. Okay, so yeah. th- you clearly trust him enough, but we haven't seen him. He had a pinch hit in the eighth, and honest to God, I forgot he existed. Like, yeah, he I actually did, Dexter, too. And I was like, damn, I forgot this dude was – I mean, yeah. I clearly in the back of my mind knew he was still around on the roster, but I was like – Where's he been? You know what I mean? Like, at least, like, trying that. I mean, Reagan Burford could probably play some second base. How he plays third, you know what I mean? Just mix it up some because yeah, those could. are two major holes in the order, uh, to say yeah. the least. Yeah, you know, I, on Kramer, I was watching on TV yesterday, and I see him come out and start swinging. They got the camera on him. I'm like, who? who is – oh, that's uh, – yeah. <laughs> um, I did the exact same thing. Yeah, so – no, look, I mean, you've got you've got dudes, but, you know, look, the, we're talking about a guy that might be anchored to a ton of games and forgot more baseball than anybody listening to this or us will ever know for the most part. Um, you know, so so if he thought those, you know, there were better options on the bench, I'm sure he would, would have had them in by now. Um, but but at some point, I, I do wonder if – and I, I think we're there. It kind of for, – for whatever reason, it kind of feels like the Sanye piece after the Florida weekend, like it's – you know, like at some point, what are we he doing? Knew it was coming. Yeah. So, so I won't be, we'll just put it like this. Do you think who or they play in Starville next weekend? Do you think both of those guys start all three games? I'm going to lean no. I, I think, think I am too. Probably happens. Yeah. I think I am too. Um, so, it, you know, obviously that's a tough play to, place for maybe somebody to get their, get their first start, but you know, um, I don't know. It just it just feels like when you're when you have the OPSs that those guys have that that you've kind of put yourself into a situation where at least a day off. Look, I don't and look, we, we're going to obviously get into this. Um, I don't think this team is making the NCAA tournament, but if this team is to go on any sort of run, I will say this. Those two guys have to perform. So I don't think you can count them out. But also at some point, maybe they just need a day off. Yep, I, I think that's where it lies too. And and to to your larger point is you know we spent a decent amount of time talking about it because they are the two largest holes in the order. But this team has flaws everywhere. Um, sure. As, as we've kind of been uh, hinting at or alluding to now for the last two three weeks, once they I feel like they left um, Nashville. So the last three the last three weekends really you've started to figure out that, hey, this is not just a pitching thing and they had a couple injuries and they don't have the guys and the pitching's just not giving them a chance. Like, it's a lot more than that. They don't do a whole lot of anything well. You mentioned Chatagnier's defense slipping up. Well, you know, the uh, Friday game, up, game one ended up kind of turning into a farce, but that first uh, two-run home run that, uh, was it Callie or Slavens, I can't remember which one hit it, uh, was off an error. Like, he should have never gotten to the plate. Chadnier just booted a ball. And then things really kind of snowballed there a couple innings later. And so it didn't end up mattering a ton. But you're talking about a guy in Jack Doherty who's already trying to do the best he can in a role that he's not designed, uh, really designed to play. He's working with a pretty small margin for error. And so having defensive failures like that really just puts more pressure on a guy who's really kind of in over his head sounds kind of, over the top about it but in a role that's not best suited for him and so mistakes like that just continue to compound and then of course you had the very costly one with McCants on Saturday in game three that ultimately led to one of the two go-ahead runs where a guy scored on a single from first it's just bad defense is brutal when you're already not doing anything else well yeah yeah so yeah you know 
if you're not performing offensively, you've got to be solid defensively. And uh, for both of those guys, obviously tough weekends on, on both of those realms. Um, it sucks to see, man, because it's two kids that have given a lot to your program, two kids that uh, were instrumental in winning a national championship last year. I don't think Ole Miss wins the national championship without those guys. I feel pretty pretty certain saying that. Um, to to kind of see them have the the tough year kind of sucks. So, uh, but but yeah, it's just it's just not worked out this year for whatever reason for both of them. Um. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. It's uh. It, it's it's just. I don't know. So I was going to ask you on that play, what did you see? Because I texted you and I was like, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. The guy scored on a sharply at single from first. Yes. I know he was running with the pitch, but it's not like the ball got to the wall. I was sitting in the stadium kind of behind home plate. So I saw some of it, but what did it look like to you on TV? Did he just bobble it? It had to be um, multiple times. All right. Well, so so you're, you're not going to get much help for me because this was in the uh, transition, the five minute drive. Um, from my house to the house I was going to for Easter, and I was listening to DK call it. Uh, didn't okay. haven't haven't put eyes haven't put eyes on it yet. It's not worth going back to watch. Um, <laughs> you can probably save yourself there. Uh, but it's just I was like, man, and that came at a crucial point in the game because it came kind of right after they had gotten the uh, Gonzalez home run to tie it up. And you know, for a, a second consecutive day, you've had two pitchers give you a chance in both those games. Now granted Ole Miss took advantage of the Xavier Riva start, but JT Quinn in that game was much better than he was at AM. I know his results weren't bad at AM. I thought he had a little bit of good fortune, but he actually showed a lot of toughness and was really good for Ole Miss. He makes it five innings. He allowed one earned run, three total, because the two earned runs on three hits with eight strikeouts and two walks. He was he was really kind of awesome. You know where else they're not good defensively? I just thought about this, dude. Behind the plate, for sure. Yeah, they're not they're not good at all behind the plate. And everyone and runs them. on them. Uh except for Enrique Bradfield. They've caught one runner in SEC <laughs> play and it was in the conference. Fast guy in the country. Um, but yeah, Calvin struggled behind the plate too. Um just yeah, just just not really good defensively right now. Uh, you know, and, and some of that that people forget with Calvin is, look, this is his first year back there in three years, right? Um, so it's so it's going to take some time. Uh, but unfortunately for him, this is kind of his draft year, so not really sure how how, how that works. Um, but you kind of look. I, I think Calvin Harris is probably a better catcher than he has shown. Uh, but and like I said, in fairness to him, it's his first year and in, in three years catching, so so this is going to take some time. But just for the right here, right now, um. You know, not not very good defensively behind the plate right now, unfortunately, because you're not throwing out runners, and and it's certainly something that teams have picked up on because they're running what more and more in Ole Miss as, as the weekends uh, go. Yep, and the some of the receiving piece of it too cost them in that game where you move uh, at least yeah. two runs were a guy they guy ended up scoring because he was ultimately able to move up on a base on a wild pitch or a pass ball or one kind of getting away, and it's uh. It's definitely something teams are using against Ole Miss, as you mentioned. I was trying to find the stealing and caught stealing numbers. Uh, I can't. It's one of it's one of twenty two in SEC play catching. One of twenty two. Yeah, they've caught one out of twenty two. That's not great. No. Um, Yeah, I'm seeing one stolen base caught or twenty one stolen bases in one time um, catching them. So that's kind of unbelievable. Um, Yeah, it's not good. That's less than five percent. And that doesn't help your pitching staff either. It's kind of amazing no. that Ole Miss has actually kind of found a little bit of sustainability on the pitching staff, despite all the other issues uh-huh. that we were talking what, about. What and do we always say? Mike figures that figures out the mound. And he kind of <laughs> has. Like, you know, 
you know, you've got Xavier Rivas moved up a day. JT Quinn has shown, at least in the small sample size of the two starts he's had, hey, he can give you a chance in game threes on Sundays. And Rivas has been really good. Rivas has gone at least five innings and allowed three earned runs or fewer in five of his last six starts or four of his last five. That's literally all you could ask out of the guy. Um, on the pitching staff, and Doherty, I thought, for the most part, has performed pretty admirably. So, shocker, Mike Bianco has once again figured out the pitching. It's just similar to last year, but also different in the way that it's happening. Every other aspect of the game is failing them as they're figuring out the pitching. Remember, they went through a stretch like this last year, but ultimately they figured it out and it all kind of synced up. I just don't know if I have the same optimism about that being the case this time uh, around. Yeah, you you had guys that had, had gone through it before, right? Um, whereas this year you're relying on a lot of guys that maybe haven't gone through it. You've got certainly, you, you know, two of your guys that have gone through it or are struggling, struggling mightily. So, um, yeah, just just really put yourselves behind the eight ball if, if you're Ole Miss. Well, frankly, they put themselves behind the eight ball two weeks ago. Now you're, like, in the ocean. Yes. I mean, they've continued to lose ground. They haven't done anything to make that up. I mean, that's, that's exactly what that was. I mean, you start 0-6, and, and it was already going to take, uh, you know, you were – really going to be up against it even if you played well and turned it around and they've continued to not play well which is the shame part about kind of them getting off to the start that they did because what did you text me yesterday that I was about to send you the same thing after they lost they were kind of playing better in spots as weird as that sounds to say I know we spent just you know half the podcast talking about what they didn't do well but they've kind of looked better in some spots particularly on the mound it's just not good enough to win games and when they're already behind the eight ball I mean you're really looking at it now, and I don't know a path to the postseason for this team. Are you, like, what did you say earlier before we started recording? Like, I, can you paint me a picture of, of the path? Yeah, the I mean, I, I can do it. Let's see. Let's pull up the schedule. Um, I mean, they're not going to do it, I don't think. Uh, you got to win two next weekend. Like, that. I feel like if you go to start one and lose that series, you're done. I feel like you're done probably now. But you They know. are definitely – I mean, they're two and ten now. That would be three and twelve. Yeah, like at some point. Um, you, you got to win four of the next six. And what is that? Six and Jesus Christ. Uh, six and 14. No, that can't be right. They would be they're They're two and 10, right? Yes. So if you go four and two, that's six and 12. Um, then you got to win five out of six against Georgia and Missouri. That's 11 and 13. And then, I mean, at 11 and 13, you could get it done. But, I mean, that is essentially asking this team to go um, – if to get to 11 and 13, by my math, they have to go 9 and 3 against Mississippi State, LSU, Georgia, and Missouri. Now, three of those not very good teams. The problem for Ole Miss is that they're not a very good team either right now. <laughs> well put. But, yeah, I mean, the if you look at the kind of the staggering hole that are in now – they would have to, I mean, you just outlined it. I don't want to be too repetitive, but just to think about it in the grand scope of things, just to get to 15 and 15, you'd have to go 13 and five against those opponents yeah. you just listed. Yeah. That's hard to do in the SEC with as deep as the league is this year. Look, if you if you actually want to have the conversation, here's what you've got to like, you've got to go into the last two weekends at 10 and 14. Um going you know hosting Auburn and going to Alabama and hope you can go four and two or five and one there which 10 and 14 good god involves eight and four over the next four weekends um possible I guess doubtful more than likely um so you know I I don't really even feel 
you know, like it's worth painting a picture right now. If we look up and, you know, this happened last year when we were talking about it, it was funny. It was like, if we look up in three weeks and, you know, they're, you know, two games back or whatever from being, you know, considered to make the tournament, then sure. But um, for right now, I don't, I don't feel like it's even worth painting the picture because nothing leads credence to, to them being able to get that done. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's basically probably a copy and paste text conversation from post Fayetteville 2022 uh, when we were talking <laughs> about when we were going to do this podcast. I was like, look, we'll do this, do the Sunday, kind of write the obit to a degree and then just kind of play it by ear because, yeah, you're right. It doesn't even necessarily seem worth talking about. And, you know, the <laughs> conversation and all like the outcome and all actually like in all likelihood was Probably still the same, even if they had won the series, but you could at least still sort of see a path at three and nine. And part of that is just proof of concept. If they actually did take a series from the number five yeah. in the country, you'd have more reason to believe it. Or now it's like, I, I don't even know why, like how the one, it's going to be next to impossible to go 13 and five, but I don't have any evidence to suggest that, that they can do that anyway. Yeah. And, and obviously look, teams, including Ole Miss last year when they won the national title, you know, have gotten in when they when they've gone fourteen and sixteen. But even still, like what is that, twelve and six? Um, still extremely, extremely hard. I guess if Ole Miss, you know, people do forget this. Um, if if Ole Miss, you know, did go twelve and six and got to fourteen and sixteen, um, you would think that, you know, the the big momentum factor that I'm told is a huge thing should get them into the NCAA tournament. Um, because they would be really hot down the stretch. You know, that's that's my favorite part of the momentum argument, by the way, is like it completely ignores that you played like absolute dog crap for four weeks in March and April. Like that, that part is irrelevant, but if you have momentum at the end, that should get you into the NCAA tournament. You should completely forget March and April. Is John Cohen the arbitrator of momentum then? Oh, I got so frustrated at the momentum argument. I think that was 2016 when they did the Ole Miss LSU thing, when Ole Miss was better in every category and had beaten LSU. And it's like, well, LSU's hot. (laughs) They're hot. Now that but part, I didn't even hot. really give any uh, like credence or value. Like I didn't take that seriously. I mean, they, they were saying the quiet part out loud. Like, hey, that team's got purple and gold, and they won a bunch of national titles uh, when Mr. Bianco was in the dugout and some other years. So that's why we're doing this. I mean, look, I get in college baseball like head to head is not everything. Really, it's sure. not even a. It, it's it's a it's a tiebreaker, and they weren't tied. And Ole Miss had the tiebreaker, so riddle me that. But anyway, you're exactly right. Like the momentum thing. Eh, okay. <laughs> Whatever, I'll believe it when I see it. But that so would let me ask you this: Yeah, what, what would they have to do over the next two series with Mississippi State and LSU? What would they have to do in those six games to make you go, eh? Maybe they got a shot. Like, what's the record? They're two and ten now. What would they have to in eighteen games? After eighteen games, what would the record have to be for you to go? Well, maybe. I wanted to say off the top of my head, five and one, because that would get them to seven and eleven, but. I mean, I, I guess it's because one of those series is LSU coming up. I guess with Georgia and Missouri and Auburn still on the schedule at six well, and twelve, I, I like, excuse me, yeah. uh, four and two to get to six and twelve. I go, okay, maybe they were seven and fourteen last year, and then they went what seven and two. I mean, they could do that again, I guess, but I don't see it. Now, I get they do have three wins coming. Um, people do forget this. They have three wins coming when they play the University of Auburn uh, or Auburn University, however you want to say it, because um, Auburn, I don't know if you know this, has not won a baseball game in Oxford since 2012. 
They have been oh. swept 14, 16, 18, 21, four times in a row in Oxford. So um, three wins coming when the Tigers show up. That's unbelievable. And I covered every single one of those series. No, 21, I was a grease salesman. I covered the bulk of those. And I don't ever actually think I ever noticed or remembered that. I remember yeah. them sweeping in 14 because wasn't that the Austin Anderson intentional walk yes. series? Yes. I was at Nelly. I was at Nelly uh, that Friday night. Imagine explaining to me at that current point that Austin Anderson had a walk-off home run on an intentional walk. That 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 was a heck of an explanation that I got. And then that oh my <laughs> that like, was almost on. back before you could get like reliable like score app stuff so i'm sure yeah, you yeah, yeah. twitter and like wait, what do you what do you what do you no mean? no my phone was dead so i've got somebody like trying to tell me and i'm like oh, you're gonna have to i'm i'm break this down like i'm three yeah <laughs> you like, what? you're gonna have to walk me back through this a couple more times he did what <laughs> but i mean yeah, it was that pretty was... shocking to see even though if I, you, I saw it on video i uh I was that year I went to Cincinnati, Ohio during that series. And I want to say I covered the Thursday game. Was that it? Was that the Thursday? No, no, no. That, that, I'm, no, it was I'm Friday night. That was Good Friday night. I had my years mixed up now. I had the schedule up. So, yes, to a Friday of 2014, um, I was watching that game and I still couldn't believe it. I was like, what do you mean they left that over the plate? It was pretty nuts. I remember the 16 series because I don't think Auburn was very good and Ole Miss swept a ton that year. I think they swept three times and that's what got them to 18 and yep. 12. I think I'd left covering Ole Miss temporarily to do that Cincinnati internship during 18 because I don't remember a thing about that series. Yeah, that was actually uh, my sister's graduation. Week. It was the last, next to last weekend of the year. So Okay. So, yeah. man, that's a remarkable statistic. But yeah. begs the question, dude, they actually have three wins coming. <laughs> If you can't win three over Auburn, you're definitely done because Auburn's not even good this year. Um, but no, I kind of joke, like, I guess if you're going to do that, then you have to say, well, you're losing two next weekend because Ole Miss hasn't beat State in, you know, like a bajillion years. Um, well, that's somebody at my family's Easter brought up a good point. It's like, Ole Miss and State are terrible and are not going to make the NCAA tournament. And they're going to set an attendance record next weekend. <laughs> Yep, they are. Super Bulldog weekend. I would imagine it's going to be pretty good weather. Hopefully the rain cooperates and, and they will. You say that, though. Look, I don't think I, I entered I entered this weekend thinking, OK, Ole Miss is the same as the same record as state. But I think one team is worse than the other. And then what the team that I thought was worse, Mississippi yeah. State took a road series at Alabama and Ole Miss squandered away an opportunity to take they, they pitched it better this weekend. They did. They pitched it much better, as did Ole Miss. But they yeah. didn't take it around as much and they had some uh some clutch hitting. Well, they get to, better offensively. Yeah, they are, um, which is kind of wild to think about. Uh, I want to get back. Well, I want to we'll kind of revisit the kind of pie in the sky postseason argument or the path or whatever they need to do here in a second. But there were some like occurrences this weekend that I thought were pretty interesting that I wanted to get to. Um, one of them being that Braden Jones pitched another scoreless inning, and I want to say that was the game. No, that was game one after it had uh, gone to become kind of a farce at that point, I think. I want to double-check that. Yeah, why? Why, why did they do that? That was my question. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, and my attention span at that point, because I had met my parents at the game, um, was waning. But I was surprising to me because I figured they'd save him for one of these other games. Now they had a doubleheader that day, and we talked about he's a guy needing to pitch more. I'll just pull up his appearances on the year's game log on the year, he's had 12 appearances and there's only a lot of earn run in three of them. 
Yeah, yeah, they they need to have him in higher leverage innings. Now that. he's been walk prone, sixteen strikeouts, eleven walks, he, but the guy's been pretty damn good. Um, he was scoreless inning against Arkansas. Um, no, excuse me, he allowed a run against uh, Arkansas. Sorry, I had that wrong. Scoreless three innings against A and M and a scoreless inning against Florida. Uh, before that Arkansas run, the last run he allowed was against Purdue. So, um, I'm I'm going to say something. I'm trying to say it without being mean. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't mean this mean, um, but like at some point, you know, I think Sam Takoyan is going to be very good at some point for Ole Miss, but it's not right now. I would have much rather had Braden Jones in the situation that they put Takoyan in yesterday and Takoyan and Braden Jones's situation on Friday. But does that make sense? I feel like that absolutely should have been reversed. Yep, he throws pretty hard. He's a high like I, I think he could be used in more high leverage situations, like you mentioned. I absolutely agree with that, which was why it was shocking to me when I looked at some of the statistics from after the game on Tuesday, because it kind of just slipped my mind as that game became non-competitive. I was like, wait a minute, why did they throw him? That didn't make a whole lot of sense. He again a little bit walk prone, but it's not like Takoyan has lit it up um in the opportunities that he's gotten. Uh, Braden Jones has my favorite stat ever. Obviously, what you know what. You know what whip is, right? Walks and hits per inning. I do. All right. So my man has an SEC play a higher whip than he has ERA. He has a 1.8 whip, essentially, um, and a 1.59 ERA. No, excuse me, a 1.7 whip and a 1.59 ERA. Um, that's not sustainable, but it's fun to look at. That is very interesting to look at. Uh, definitely not sustainable, but that is wild. You don't actually see that very often. Um, no, that sorry, that's a, over, that's overall, but you get the point. Yes, yeah, um, pretty rare. But I was just surprised that he didn't get looking at, at the like, I like in the second game it didn't really ever lend itself, even though Arkansas scored two in the ninth to make it a little bit closer. But that's a five run game entering the ninth inning, so it's like okay, I don't know what situation you necessarily use him for. But I, I, it's kind of the same thing. You mentioned the Takoyan spot who came in after Kimbrel. Uh, pitched a the sixth inning like I would have it, it was surprising to me that he was not the bridge to Nichols yeah. um instead of that but I mean at the same time uh Tukoyan didn't allow a run that was charged him he had two strikeouts a lot of hit or excuse me one earned run he allowed two hits and a couple strikeouts but I was surprised that it wasn't him and I'm curious if you think that changes going forward because at some point you know three runs and 12 appear or three nine of uh 12 appearances being scoreless appearances on the year has to count for something yeah um, and Tequin obviously has had some struggles in SEC play. Again, I think that kid's going to be really good in Ole Miss uniform before he leaves here. But um, just kind of feels like that maybe the role should have been reversed there. Um, and I'm not saying that made the difference in the game. Ole Miss's offense was not good enough again in, in a game three, um, which is frankly, at some point, it just has to be better. You have to stop scoring four runs in game threes. But, yeah, I, I thought the, the the roles probably should have been reversed. But, obviously, and I'm not sure how many pitches Jones threw on, on Friday, so maybe he wasn't available on Saturday. I'm probably, probably likely. But my, my point is he probably shouldn't have been used in that lower leverage situation. Yeah, to begin with, I can pull up his pitch numbers. I got it there. Nope, 27 pitches. No, no, he probably should have been in. So, curious there. But, again, just another small thing. And then Doherty kind of had the similar deal where he was actually pitching pretty well. He had gave up the home run after the error. And then it seemed like that kind of second, third or third time the lineup turned over yeah. um, there in the fifth inning. Things went pretty sideways for him. But, hey, if he gets you to the fifth, again, that's really almost all you can ask from the guy. And then it just kind of 
man, it seems like every time there's a spot where another team can hit a back-breaking home run or Ole Miss can get a K to really slip out of one and give yeah. them a chance in a game they haven't played very well, that sucker's gone over the fence. And that grand so, slam that Slavin's hit um, felt like just another one to add to it. I, that's it, probably not backed up by statistics at all. It just feels that way. So it just – and look, I can't back this up with stats, but Mike always used to talk about like in interviews and on his post-game – radio appearance, like making pitches and getting the hits. And, like, I used to laugh at that as, as a guy that's a big analytics guy. I used to be like, it just, that's not how it works. But anyway, but for whatever reason, it just feels like anytime Ole Miss is in a situation where you could not even take the lead on a team, but, like, bury a team, like bases loaded, one, yep. you know, up by one, hit a double, you're up four, the game's probably over. Or, you know, if you can make a pitch and get off the field, it just feels like for whatever reason they are not getting it done in those situations. Some of it is those guys have not been in the situations. Um, and that, that takes experience, and, and oftentimes failure comes before success in those situations. But it just feels like that for when when the biggest moments come up that, that Ole Miss is content. And obviously that's the case because they're 2-10 in the SEC. But it just kind of feels like when those situations arise that Ole Miss just consistently isn't able to, to get the hit or make the pitch to keep themselves in the game or to kind of end the game. You're exactly right. I mean, the sixth inning in that game one against Texas A&M comes up where yeah. Ole Miss, I forget the exact situation, but it was a couple guys on, no outs, had a chance to really take control of that game and put the hammer down and didn't do it and then imploded on themselves in the field in the top of the, I guess that'd be the next inning, the uh, the seventh or the bottom of the seventh um, there. And like the, another, op- there were a couple of those on the weekend and they also run themselves into outs pretty often. How would you describe Ole Miss's base running the last couple of seasons? Okay, I'm actually more okay with with the base running than than most, um, because I do believe there is a method to the madness. I get, but but it's infuriating to watch when the offense isn't good and can't bail you out of mistakes. I get that. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of issue with Calvin Harris's uh, throw out yesterday. It's, that's you know it happens you're you're being aggressive and making a play so it, i get why people are frustrated with it but they wouldn't be as frustrated if the offense was ne- near as good as they're supposed to be fair the so what is the method to the madness just make make college athletes make plays and see if they screw it up um and, and i get some people will say like hey they're college athletes they're not going to screw it up i get that um but I think it's fair to say up until this year and with the exclusion of 2017 that Mike Clement has been, you know, very good at his job. And I'm, I'm going to trust that that his philosophy on, on, on that works. Look, I mean, he he consistently puts pressure on the offense or excuse me, on defenses and it's worked um, this year. It's just, you know, obviously there's been some base running blunders and, and it's not. Look, I don't think maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that the base running and the times they get thrown out of the, on the bases are the reason this team is not good offensively. I think they're not good offensively because two of their catalysts are struggling. Some of the transfers haven't been as good as they had hoped for along of uh, along a plethora of other reasons. Yeah, fair enough. I just was curious. Like honestly, I was like I, I didn't have an angle for that one. I was just curious what you thought of it because it does seem like they run into a lot of outs, but also don't watch enough like of other teams regularly to know if that's a unique to Ole Miss thing 
or um, just kind of the nature of college baseball in general. But I was just curious about it. But the the you brought up the defensive side of it earlier, and I don't mean to like circle back and continue to harp on the Harris piece of it, but that made me think of another situation um, in their game three loss uh, yesterday, Saturday, as we record this on a Sunday night. They were down one to nothing. They tie it up in the fourth and make it 1-1. And Arkansas, it scores a run in the top of the second. He gets a leadoff walk to uh, Cali, who's not Carson Cali. I guess he's got a brother. I've spent half the weekend thinking that was Carson Cali, which it is not. He's exhausted his eligibility. But he steals second. Then he uh, moves to third on a fielder's choice and then scores on a wild pitch. So Ole Miss comes back. They tie this game in the fourth. It's kind of a 1-1 tight game at that point. And Arkansas scored a run with about without a ball ever leaving the infield. Yeah, not great. Not great. Um, you talk about that. I know we joked about the momentum thing either, but like that's a momentum killer. You feel like you're in a good spot. JT Quinn is pitching pretty well. You feel like you got, you know, a little Arkansas on the ropes a little bit, and then you just kind of give them one. And then you gave them another one in the seventh, and you know, you gave them two runs and you lost by two. I mean, it's certainly yeah. like, this game's complicated, but it's not that complicated. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's not good enough, right? And I don't mean that mean. Obviously, the kids are trying. I don't think this is – I don't know how anybody out, looks out there and calls it an effort issue. Um, but it's they're just not good enough in spots. And, and you know, we can talk about what that means and, and what the implication from that is. But you look out there, man, like, you know, how many of the dudes in Ole Miss's lineup start on a top 15 team, right? Like, how many, how many guys, if you went and took them to – I'm not, I don't even want to do LSU because I feel like that's unfair. But if you took them to, like, Vanderbilt, how many of those dudes start? It's not a ton. I don't want to get into specific names and do that debate. But, like, it, it, the team's just not good enough right now, unfortunately. And, and that's kind of, you know, that kind of situation rises its head and, um, consistently. And that's kind of what it tells you. And that was all Ole Miss really had in the form of answers in the post game after the series loss on Saturday. Peyton shot and yay. I was talking actually ran into Chase on the square after the game uh, briefly, and I was just asking what they say in the post game because I hadn't heard or seen anything yet. And he said they didn't really have a lot of answers. They were kind of stunned and speechless. But you know, shot and yay didn't have much to say about it. Like he was just like, I, I don't really know. Like I know we're not this bad, and we've uh, we've got to figure it out. But no concrete answers. And then Mike summed it up as. You joked about this earlier. He pulled the whole radio thing out of they made more pitches and made more plays than they did. And that was so true on Sunday because you juxtapose Ole Miss's outfield defense with the McCants play or what they have, the issues they have behind home plate, keeping runners you know at first base or keeping them from coming around to score without hard contact. Arkansas made two tremendous plays in the eighth and ninth innings on balls hit in the gap that Ole Miss would have gotten a guy on and had been knocking at the door to tie the game and made two tremendous defensive plays to really thwart any sort of offensive rally Ole Miss was trying to start. And on the other end, you've got Ole Miss kind of just giving them runs. And they gave them two runs, I thought at least, that ended up costing them the game. But I thought that that piece of it was just kind of telling of where the two teams are at. Arkansas made two great defensive plays to preserve the game, and Ole Miss had several defensive blunders that put them in the position to trail in the first place. Yeah, yeah. It's Look, Arkansas is a very good baseball team, but I'll, I'll be honest, walking like, Watching that series, I didn't think they were infinitely better than Ole Miss. They just made plays when it was time to make plays. And um, it was the same thing it, in the series last year, too. Yeah. The team in the, yeah, exactly. Because Ole Miss was reeling at that point. And you look up and Ole Miss wins on Friday night. They lose in a walk off on Saturday. And you like look at the game on Sunday last year. And like, How did they actually lose that baseball game? 
Don't, um, don't, don't, dude, the, the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning sequences of that game, too. Remember the, the amount of times they didn't get a run across in the situations they had? I yeah. believe they had two or three on in each of uh, three innings in a row and scored one run. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. It's just Arkansas is a better baseball team than Ole Miss right now. Um, they, they were not a better baseball team on June t- 22nd, 2022. Thank God. Um, but I don't know. Look, it, it it's it's kind of it's kind of redundant, but like it just it's the fact Ole Miss isn't good enough right now. Um, and you know, do you you have the question and you have the debate of should they be good enough? And when you look at the talent, like there's an argument that maybe they actually shouldn't be. Maybe they're they're just not as talented as we expected them to be. Yep. I mean, that's kind of it. We could talk ourselves in circles about it, but I, I think that's ultimately just simply what what it comes down to, and it's uh. It's unfortunate because, again, we've talked – I don't remember if we talked about this at the top as I'm just going in circles on this podcast now before we started recording. But Mike's had some bad teams that weren't 2-10. and 10. A lot of stuff has to go wrong for you to be at 2-10 and 10 in this position, right? They've had teams that have had bad stretches and they've turned it around and vice versa. But just the sheer record and the sheer hole that 2-10 and 10 is is kind of shocking. It's the worst record they've ever had at any point in SEC play under Mike. And that record was set last year, too, by going seven games under 500. But my point in all of this is they're bad, but the 2-10 and 10 record is really what the death knell is. I mean, look, they could be playing terrible baseball and be 4-8, and eight, and you could still be talking about a path. It's just sure. this year, Bill Parcells, the numbers, you, know, you are what your record says you are, that is really why we're having this kind of, um, you know, postseason, uh, dashing their hopes of the postseason on April 9th or whatever the hell this is. Yeah, it just kind of is what it is at this point. Um, until until I, you know, look, this team's gonna have to be a lot better. And look, the I, I think both of us because we both kind of put the nail in the coffin last year. Um, I believe it was after the Arkansas series when they were seven and fourteen or whatever. Um, but I think there was part of us like last year, part of both of us. It was like there's no way they're going to actually just die off, right? Like, like I think both of us thought, you know, look, this team had. Kevin Graham adjusted bitch and Tim Elko and, and, and you know, a, a resurging Dylan Delusia and, and, and Hunter Elliott. And here it's like, are they really just going to go 10 and 20 and kick the can? I think both of us kind of thought at some point they were going to make something happen. Maybe not get into the tournament, but at least make a run at it. I'm not totally sure that I think this team's even going to make a run at it right now. Maybe they are. Um, and, and they're not going to quit. They're going to continue to play hard. But I'm not even sure I can convince myself that this team's going to even get close to that position right now yeah we're in lockstep there too I, I think you described it really well I mean that was half of the podcast for last year during most of April is like is this really happening like are they are they really just about to go down at seven and you know they kept week after week lose two out of three against South Carolina it's like all right they have to win this state series lose two out of three against state then they go and they squander those two games at uh at Arkansas and we finally just answer our own question like yes they are they are going to <laughs> in this way and then they immediately go on a run whereas on a serious note this makes more sense I like yeah. I, I, I like I the record is kind sense. of baffling and jarring but this makes more sense as to why you wouldn't think they turn it around and it makes more sense why they have the record they do where last year was a lot more baffling although I would I would I would contest that this team probably should not be this bad no, there shouldn't be two and ten, but I think you could say at best they should probably be five and seven. Like when you look back at the the twelve games, how many of them after that? Like last year, right? There was a ton of games where you're like, man, Ole Miss should have won that game. How many of these games you look back this year and you're like, Ole Miss should have won that game? 
Because it's not game, a whole lot for me. Game one against Florida and the finale sure. against AM. So it's two. So they're five and seven? Or no, they would be four, four and eight. eight. Which yeah, feels yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That would make, like, you know what I mean? And th- as I just yeah. mentioned, like at four and eight, you could still talk about it, even though you don't have a ton of confidence in it. Now there's the cheer two and 10. It's like, all right, this is not a conversation for that. But you're right. There's not a ton of games where you felt like they just wasted. They just, they got beat pretty soundly in every phase of the game. And that, that kind of just is, is what it is at this point. I had a couple more statistics things before I wanted to look around. The so SEC. I have a, a fun hypothetical we need to get to at the end. I just got a text message for one of our because they knew they knew I uh, we recorded on Sunday night. Um, it yeah, hit nothing, me with it. No, well, it has nothing to do with sports. So um, we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get it at the end if we need to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, remind me because I'm liable to forget that in <laughs> thirty. Uh, Somebody, some one of our listeners texted me and was like. Hey, I know you guys record on Sunday night. Our uh, our group message is having this debate. Please, please have it. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I don't want to I, – I, I hate conflating the two years over and over again. Sure. But I asked you this question last week, and I will to some – in a different way this week. It's just what do you make of them being 7-14 and 14 last year, the worst mark under Mike Bianco ever, and then 2-10 and 10 this year? I mean, those are two – it's um, a 21-game stretch and a 12-game stretch that – it's just about as bad as you'll ever see in the Bianco era. The whole thing before he won a national title was, hey, Mike's teams are never suck, and he's had two teams in a row that for a large period of the season kind of stunk. Now, last year's completely taken away because guess what? They won the whole thing. So it's a weird conversation, but I'm just curious, what do you make of two regular seasons where it's looked pretty bleak at times? Yeah, um, so, you know, the last two years, this is funny, the last two years, uh, if you just Google, you know, or if, if you just – include the 30 game SEC stretch um, they're winning 38% of their SEC games. Um, fortunately for Ole Miss, there was something massive that happened in between the two SEC seasons. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I think, and, and we both illustrated this. I think the years are so different. Um, and, and the reasons they're struggling are so different that, that it's hard to um, buy anything into it. Um, but they don't need to – and look, like I, if I say this without prefacing that that it wouldn't matter as far as Mike Pianco's future, which seemed funny to talk about, I would really prefer they not suck in the regular season next year. Like like they need to host a regional in 2024 for me. Um, I'm, again, not saying that if they don't, they should, you know, fire the head guy. That would be absurd. I'm just, you know, if you're going to be the consistent program that everybody thinks you are, you're allowed one of these. Not sure you're allowed two of them. I think that's well put. And last year, like in a weird way, didn't turn into that because, hey, they finished 14 and 16 despite being at 17 and 14. And then, of course, you know, if they won the trophy at the end of it, which is the (laughs) point of this whole thing. But it's just interesting. You've had a a whole lot of years of very, very consistent success with Mike Bianco. And then you just had a couple years in a row where they've they've really, really struggled um, for large stretches of the regular season. And it's just it's a very un-Bianco like like sequence of events. But um, it is what it is. A couple of statistics things that I wanted to get to uh, real quick just before we got the uh, the SEC piece of it and then got out of here. Ethan Leger was awesome this weekend. He was. Uh, yeah, good for him. Yeah, he, he brought his big boy pants to the ballpark. That dude was tremendous. He went on the weekend. I had it a second ago. He was 7 for 10. Yeah, it'll play. Seven hundred home runs, um, or a home run, four RBIs in game two, but uh, seven hits, and I don't know what his total was coming into the weekend, but that had to have gotten to close to doubling his SEC hit total in a weekend, I would think. <laughs> Feels like it. 
Um, oh, yeah, but he was awesome, which is good. I mean, I guess if you're looking for you know, small yeah. signs of life or silver oh, lining, whatever you want to call were, it, he was great. Yeah, there were good signs this weekend, right? Like, um, I thought Mason Nichols pitched a little better. Um, you know, I thought Rebus was really good. I thought Quinn was really good. Obviously, Leger was really good. Um, look, there were signs, um, but unfortunately, it just didn't didn't result in two wins. So, but yeah, Leger big weekend has certainly uh, solidified that spot at third base now. Yep, I think that's probably one hole they don't have to worry about. Now you just look at second base and outfield as we <laughs> outlined um, earlier, and then. If you're surprised that they haven't used we, – we talked about this before, but the Garrett Wood, just yeah. even if it's a day-off thing for shot and yay, or like he didn't really get much of a shot with it for Leger, captain of the team. You know, again, Mike knows more about this team than I'll ever pretend to know, but just with the record being what it is and as bad as it's gotten at some point, and Mike kind of, you know, honestly publicly saying it a couple weekends in a row, they just made more plays than we did. I'm just a little bit surprised we haven't seen guys like that just to see something different, but maybe yeah. – just not way the team is constructed. I don't know. Yeah, and and I think it's possible that that might happen um, next week. So, uh, yeah, but I'm a little shocked. Look, we're talking about a guy that started multiple College World Series games and, and two games in the Super Regional. So, um, certainly has that experience. So, I'm a, I'm a little surprised that, you know, with the offense struggling as bad as it has, that that, that he's not coming to the lineup for sure. So anyway, the Bob, there's not really much that stands out. Um, you did get a little bit of a Hunter Elliott update from over the weekend. I don't know. Chase put a note on the uh, board, but I'm sure it's out there elsewhere. So I'm not giving any uh, deep secrets away. But Hunter Elliott is on a good position in his rehab, and it sounds as if things go well. He will um, pitch in some capacity against LSU. What are your thoughts on that? I I, I hope that if Hunter Elliott pitches, um, we're discussing, you know. Ole Miss being able to make the NCAA tournament again. I, I would hate – or would, I, hate's not the right word, but I, I, I think I struggle to understand why he's throwing if Ole Miss is not going to be – and I'm not even saying make. If they're not going to be in position to make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, so I feel like if you lose two out of three this weekend, you may just want to get the kid the rest. But, you know, hey, if you win two out of three or sweep or whatever, give yourselves a chance to, to get back into it. I certainly get it at that point. Um, I just wonder if if this goes like, you know, south, it continues to go south if they if those plans change. And I don't know. I'm not saying they are. I, I'm just simply wondering that out loud. Yeah, and it's something we've kind of you know just speculated on for the last couple of weeks of like, hey, if this record continues to get worse and worse and worse, like would he and does he come back? I don't have any insight in that. It sounds like he's planning to come back. Um, that update came after they are two and ten, so maybe they're coming, you know, the planning to do it regardless. But I did have this similar thought that you did there, and that's the 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 shame in some of this is you know we talked about a lot you know for the last half hour about how this makes more sense, and we don't think this team is that good well you throw Hunter Elliott into the mix and that changes the calculus a little bit man if you don't if you say they were four and eight and you figure out okay can you go three and three the next couple weekends and get to what is that seven and eleven eleven yeah with or I guess that actually now you would only need one weekend you go through uh, yeah. somehow take two next weekend and you're what six and nine with Hunter Elliott coming back yeah. then though it's an entirely different conversation you're having yeah. despite everything else we've said being true yeah um yeah you're exactly right so because um, you get what? So just playing it out here, if and when Elliott comes back and he just looks, you know, remotely like the hundred Elliott you you would think you were gonna get, that would take do you think that would take Doherty back to the bullpen with the way Quinn, Quinn is pitched? Um, so I, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I think so. 
I think I think at this point, yes, because I think that makes your team better everywhere. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's how that would work. So that would be a rotation of Doherty. No, excuse me. Sorry, Elliot, Rivas, and Quinn. And Quinn. Yeah, with Nichols, Braden Jones, and Doherty. Doherty at the back end of the pen as arms that you and Morrell. And Morrell. Sorry, I, I forgot about Mitch Morrell. All of a sudden, you're cooking with something there. Like the offense is still going to have to be better, but that drastically would change the like the way I would look at this team. But it just seems like at this point, when that does happen, the it's holes too, too big, too late. Yeah, so it feels like the hole's too big. You know, look, is there a chance we look up in two weeks and this team has swept Mississippi State and won two out of three against LSU? Um, probably not, but I guess it's possible. Um, and then, you know, hey, at 7-11, we're having a different conversation because at 7-11, I think, look, if you if you tell me two weeks from right now, hey, almost at 7-11, I'm like, well, they got a decent shot to make the tournament at that point because the back end is not a strong finish, uh, you know, and you get Hunter Elliott back. But the issue is there, there there's nothing on this team that shows you that's going to happen. Yep, that's kind of where we sit right now. And so, I don't know, kind of a wait-and-see mode thing. Like we said, we'll just see what happens next weekend. But it does feel like this any postseason chance that this team had um, is getting closer and closer to being fully extinct by the weekend. You know, shocker. You should probably win a series at some point. But uh, obviously, he's here so, so, and done there. Uh, I, I guess we can do my, – my, my friend Randy Morgan asked us to he, – he's – doing uh well I, I probably shouldn't say this he asked us to do a, 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 a hypothetical or a uh so here's how it works okay it's it's kind of like a challenge but you you have to you have to think about how many um how many you would do so it works like this you know you've got like what 20 like on your body you have 20 digits like 10 fingers and 10 toes right okay yes all right how many of them would you cut off Right. All right. So the first one you cut off is worth ten thousand, ten thousand dollars. The second one you multiply it by ten, it's worth a hundred thousand. The third one is worth a million, and then the fourth one is worth ten million. It just keeps multiplying by ten each time. How many are you cutting off? Uh, I mean, I'd need toes for a ton. Like, that's, what, that's that's what I'm thinking. Like. I'm I'm at least taking ten million home, right? Like you, you're at least going to go home with like eleven million dollars here. I feel like I could go without a pinky, like especially just one of them. I would like to keep my hands because I play golf and I type. And oh, that's stuff. a good point. You're a big golf guy, so that's it's fair. So that would that would be a bummer, but I don't know. You could maybe take all ten of my toes, and I could just have like nub feet. I don't know how that would. I, I, don't, I don't think that would be the greatest like living situation, but I could get by with it if that means I got what? How much? How many million bucks? Well, I, that'd be eleven million. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're going like we're going we're going all ten. Yeah, just give me the. I mean, that guy kicked. Didn't that one guy kick footballs for the Saints? Maybe I could have a second life as an NFL career if I didn't have any. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what was that Saints kicker that kind of had like the cleft foot or the club foot or whatever it was? Do you know what I'm talking about? Way oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He kicked uh, Dempsey. Yeah, so I might could take that $11 million oh, and, dude, well, I guess with no – Billions at this point. Yeah, you're, you're, so I'd parlay that into a kicking gig where I'm making 70 yarders. <laughs> but I guess without toes on my other foot, that would actually – I don't know how that would work. <laughs> so, how would you play golf without feet? Well, I mean, I guess you could give me like, I guess if it's just toes, they, I don't know if they give me prosthetic legs, but I could figure it out. I feel like I would just need the hands. <laughs> so if I can keep the feet and just not the toes, I think we could make that work. 
So you're well, gonna how far are you going to go? I'm, I would sit at $10 million. What, uh, Well, see, $10 million, you've only got to lose two. Or, uh, no, it'd be four. I think I would cut off both of my pinkies. Um, maybe both my pinky toes and just to have $11 million and not have to go to work tomorrow. I think that's the number where, like, $11 million, It's like, I'm not going to work tomorrow. If I have to work again, I'll figure it out. But it's not going to be tomorrow. I think that's around my number where I just don't go into school tomorrow. Yeah, that's fair. That's probably where I'd land too. I forgot the multiplication aspect. So I'm probably keeping most of them. I'll take take both pinky pinky toes away and then whatever that gets me will uh, live happily ever after. So thank you thank you to our listeners for such riveting questions, but but I did I did kind of find that. Um he he's a teacher and said he's going to like this this is going to be funny. I think this is going to be his bell ringer for his students. Mark, imagine writing about this in like your first period in high school. I would give like a detailed report. Stay in school, kids. Otherwise, you'll be trying to do this for money on a podcast and talking about anatomy corner. <laughs> Don't do so, drugs. Yeah. So, yeah. Stay in school, kids, as long as you can. And uh, listen to your teachers. Oh, speaking of school. So this uh, this happened to me the other day at, at, at Choctaw County, where I work. A kid came up to me and was like, are you uh, are you Colin Brister? <laughs> like, and so he, I obviously don't don't teach this kid. Um, but he comes out my hallway. He's like, are you? He's like, I know you're Coach Brister. Are you, are you Colin Brister? I'm like, yeah. He's like. My brother listens to your podcast and really likes it. He wanted me to tell you hello. I'm like, and like before I could get any more information, the kid like ran off. I'm like, all right, sounds good. Oh, hell yeah. Just walking through the halls as a celebrity there. Get that get, get that kid out of detention or whatever he wants. I, I'm I'm wait, he listens or his brother listens. His brother listens. He said his older brother that went to Ole Miss listens. Oh, okay. So this guy's out of school, so we can't help the brother out. I guess we can help the kid out too. Um, I need proof that need proof that he's listened before. Um, but next time you see him, get him out of trouble or something. That's awesome. Uh, so that's a bright young man. That kid's gonna go places, particularly yeah, after absolutely. he saved his mind. He he wouldn't um, even let me respond before he ran off, so that was good. I'm like, what's your and my man is like already passing the water fountain. Look, all great business people just they leave it out there when they're done with the conversation. You don't always have to wait for a response. The kid's just practicing good business tactics. Um, so stay in school, kids, and uh, listen to your teacher if this podcast somehow gets played in a classroom. Uh, I shudder at that thought, but hey. Um, so so uh, it, it, J.A., like the end of the year, did y'all like start watching movies like when May 1st hit? I think I'm going to, for my kids, just play our podcast over and over and over at the end of the year when like all our testing and stuff is done, see how that goes. Uh, they're probably going to want to test me after that if you if you do that. Um, but we did, yeah, we had some, joke. It depended on the. <laughs> it depended on the year. Um, they're going to be. We'd like to study this guy's mind. What's wrong with him? Um, but the, it depended on the year. Like I don't know. So I feel like ninth grade it was a big year because you're going to high school next year. So they didn't let up. But like sometimes in junior high. And then at the end of senior year, when the exams became not a thing, not only did we not just watch movies, people just like you finish. I just remember finishing school like two weeks early because like you could get <laughs> exempt from exams and stuff. So like it all of a sudden every year felt like either movie time or you're studying for exams. And then you became a senior. Like, oh, that was it. Like, this is just over. So a school that uh, will not be named. I walked in um, like the first day that I was going to be there. So uh, the the teacher that I was replaced because I came in in the middle of the year um, and they had a sub in. I like walked in and the first thing I see is two kids have gotten like their PS4. This is like January. So when you're like actually supposed to still be learning, have their PS4 and they're playing 2K um, on the smart board instead of like doing actual English and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is where I need to be. Yeah, things have fallen down. Like, you had, did you have to come in and be the new sheriff in town? Beg, sorry. Yeah, I, did. I was like, all right, uh, take the take the PlayStation home. We're going to start learning things. 
we got like, JA became like a I think they call it like an I smart school or something like either the second to last year I was there maybe I don't remember but we all got laptops maybe it was longer than that I don't know but you'd have a guy that would sit in like the tech center um <laughs> and if you were on some site you weren't supposed to be on while you were in class he would just take control of your screen and exit yep. it out and then like send you a message of like get back to study and like thanks so you know, I- like, I have a I have a thing called securely in my classroom where I can monitor all my kids' screens at one time, and I can lock their screens just because I want to, and I can leave a message. Um, well, I had one kid that like skipped my class, that just checked out, went home, but I can still see their screen if they're on our Chromebooks. So um, because they made me mad, I just locked their screen at home, and they didn't get to watch Netflix. That is some real power you have. That guy at JA that year wreaked havoc on the fantasy football fa- waiver wire uh, for our fantasy <laughs> football teams <laughs> because he was shutting that down quick. And so we'd have to like wait till lunch or like go on our phones or something. I guess we had iPhones toward the end of it there at the, at the time, but like to try to pick up dudes in fantasy because you try to get it on there. And then that guy would just be like, no, you're actually not going to pick up uh, Stefan Diggs. You are, uh, you're going to get back to class. You're going to go do some biology, chief. Yeah. So that, so that was always a weird one. Did y'all have to do state tests and stuff? How do, does is that is that a thing at academies? I didn't know if if, if that's private schools that... don't do. I don't know. We did something. I don't think it was called the state test. We definitely didn't do like the public school version of state test because obviously I had friends that went to public school and they did right. state tests. We did something else, and I'm sure it was re- probably a carbon copy of the exact same thing with some stupid prestigious name that makes it sound fancier. If I had to guess how that went down, we did something, but I can't remember what it was called. Um, okay. but it was different. Um, and I don't actually remember how I did on those. Um, I never got any calls from like Harvard or Yale or smart people. So I, I don't think it impressed anyone. Oh God. That sounds like me taking the ACT. Like I got it back. My first score of my senior year. I'm like, yeah, good enough. Whatever. Yeah, yeah sure. Sure. That'll work. Like I, I, I uh, we actually had the last one on this tangent. We actually had a guy when freshman math uh, used to go take the test. And I'm talking about it. Ole Miss you used to go take the test at the math yeah. lab. Um, and I sat next to a guy. You could take the test like a couple times because it would like make room for error. And then some way that was just some sometimes the way the classes worked. Um, they the teachers but you can take this twice or whatever. I watched a kid one time this first semester BCal. He took it. Um, I swear to God, I think he made like a 36. And then just I heard him mutter to himself, I right, that'll do you get a drop test. And I was like, bro, you got two more attempts on this thing. You're not even gonna give this a whirl, are you? Like you made in the 30s. You could just run through each multiple choice question again without even looking at it, and guess the answers and try for higher than that. But he was just cool with it after one attempt. That sounds like me on my Spanish test my senior year. I was not good at Spanish. And so I went in there and I could not, I had to make like a 15 to get a C, but I I was mathematically impossible to get a B. So like, I just figured out that I got 15 points and just started putting A. I'm like, I know I've got at least a 25 and like a 71 and 79 are the same thing. So I just started putting A and went home. That was the last test I ever took in college. Now, there's at least some logic behind that. Like, I, I can get behind the reasoning for that. Hey, if you're behind, you're behind. You don't got a shot. You don't got a shot. This dude, we're talking first semester of college. Maybe he wasn't, and that's why he was in this situation with this mindset in the first place. But pretty <laughs> standard freshman class. 
And I heard him like conversate with his buddy. He was like, no, nah, I'm not going to take it again. This will do. And I'm like, cheap. Like you, you get two more tries. You, if you could just be bothered for to click random buttons for 10 more minutes, your score probably go up 10, 12 points, man. But he, he was not having it. So I was like, all right, well, this guy's not exactly an inspiration. Um, hope he's doing well. You said he didn't go on your reference list. No, I didn't know who the guy was. And I, I, I noticed I didn't see him in class a ton after that, but I was just amazed by just the lack of – were you, really just, were you a big were you a big class guy? Did you go to class a lot or do you uh do you skip a skip a good many? Like the no. first thing I did was I figured out how many I could miss without failing the class or getting points deducted. I I mean I I I I'm not I'm gonna lie and say I was a perfect student that went every time, but I was I very much quickly found in college, hey, if you go to class most of the time, you're gonna yeah. have a hard time flunking out of this sucker. So if you just go, so I went to class more often than not. I never really had any sort of issue in any college class where I was going up against the you know missed days or tardy days or whatever the hell it was. Because you know, unless I actually look, there, I'd say there's a rare occasion where the college night would get the best to you and maybe don't make the Friday or Thursday morning class that I had yeah. or something like that. Occasionally, every now and again, but like I would never miss class unless I had something to do or something going on. I very, very rarely was like, yeah, not feeling it today. Because yeah. again, if you go to class, odds are you're probably not going to fl flunk out. Yeah. See, I was, I was complete opposite. I, I would like, I remember vividly walking outside of my apartment at like seven 45, like it's raining. No. And like turned right, turned right around and went and laid in bed. Um, and there was, I had like a Western Civ class. I respect this teacher now that I'm a teacher for doing this, but I was so pissed off at the moment. Um, she would, you didn't have to go to class. She didn't take attendance. She would tell you when tests were and she would tell you um, when like what was going to be on the test. And so I would just study that stuff and then I would do well. I'd make a B. Well, her final exam was worth like 35% of the grade. And she, uh, she was like, Hey, we're gonna have a study session for it. She like sent out an email or put it on blackboard or whatever. Um, so I show up and she was like, Hey, what's your name? And I'm like, uh, Colin Brister. And she was like, yeah, you haven't been to my class in a month. You're not allowed on a study session. I'm like, you know what? That's actually fair. I, I agree. So I had to go home and study my uh, Western Civ all on my own. Oh, uh, you can't have too many gripes with that. That's like, like I, that's the college thing. You look back at the t at the time, and you're like, geez, what's wrong with this lady? And then, like five years later, when you become a responsible adult, it's like, oh no, what's wrong with me? <laughs> what? Like just because she gave a test like on April first, and that was the last one. I'm like, well, she'll see me again on the final day, and she was like, you are not coming to my study session. I'm like, well, I'm screwed. I was in a. Uh... I was in a geology class one time in that uh, the same building that we used to do the student media stuff in. What's yeah, that? that was Farley. Yeah, that was the same building this class was in. No, 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 no. This one's different. This is a not Rock Farley. Geology. Uh, uh, this was in um, Bishop. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the actual newspaper was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was a geology test. It was our second one. It was a class where you got a drop test. And we had a dude come in late for the second test. And he said, you know, he like, looked at the teacher because it's awkward. He walks in late. He goes, sorry, I forgot where this was. Um, so I don't think my, I don't think my guy had been there in a while because, uh, I didn't recognize him and he literally just goes, sorry, forgot where this place was. And I was like, I don't think that's the, I don't think that's how you want to, uh, that, that's Approach the one you want to go with when you walk into your second test late, man. So the most ruthless thing I ever saw a professor do, you remember we, we like, I don't know if this is still a thing, but you would scan your ID for attendance. Do you remember? Oh yeah. That? You'd have, we had scan in scan out scandals. Yeah, people would scan in and leave. Well, um, my English lit my sophomore year at Ole Miss. She, uh, 
about five minutes into class, maybe 10, she was like, all right, everybody write your name on a piece of paper. And we're like, okay. So I wrote Colin Brister. Luckily, I was at class today. She's like, all right, turn it in. She's like, all of you can leave. Anybody's name that was written, that anybody that did not write their name but signed in will be kicked out of this class and turned in for academic dishonesty. I'm like, oh, buddy. Oh, yeah. We had a couple issues with that. Now, I never, granted, never got caught up in that. But, I mean, you know, one time in those larger classes, you'd have dudes doing it. I say dudes, people, girls did it, too. But you'd have people doing it as the teacher's, like, walking in to set up his stuff. Like, it's just blatant. It's like, do you not think they care at all? Yeah, like it's. I mean, look, I was kind of a, uh, you know what, sometimes myself when it was, a, you know, shithead college kid. But like, even me at like nineteen was like, my god, like the disrespect level here is. You're just looking him in the eyes and walking out of his class, basically. <laughs> you might as well just give him the middle finger and leave. So that was a uh, great trip down memory lane. That was All class corner. Right, yeah. Um, I right, turned us off. That's fine. <laughs> Some people that this will relate to some people. That some people are probably like, my God, get on with it. There are a few that are like, oh my God, he's talking about me. One or two. It's like, I remember that. Uh, so let's take a real quick um, look at the SEC. And before we get out of here, um, we have we're gonna have a quirk in the standings. South Carolina and LSU only get in two games. They split. South Carolina actually won the Thursday Paul Skeens game 13 to 5 and then loses 8-7 to Friday. They don't get the game in because on Saturday, and then Chase reminded me of a very stupid rule where you only have three days to play it no matter what. So they couldn't play on Sunday right. if they wanted to. So so can I – I think this may be a disagreement. We don't have those often. I actually am okay with that rule. Um, Why? All right. What day did LSU get to Columbia? I would assume Wednesday night. Okay. So we're going to have them in Columbia Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. Like, at some point, like, spending five days in a town during the middle of the semester is kind of – not egregious, but it's kind of overdoing it. I know, like, everybody's, like, basketball and, you know, does it with midweek games. Basketball's only there two days. Um, so it, it – I kind of am – especially when you don't plan to be there that long. I'm not saying the rule's perfect. I'm just saying I don't necessarily hate it as much as many as most. Okay, fair, but counterpoint, and this is gets into arbitrary, and I realize this is why the rule was not – this, what I'm about to say, is not why the rule was written. It's Easter weekend, so they likely don't have class on Friday, and a lot of schools don't have class the Monday. Sure, too. sure. but the I guess and, – and that part of it is probably makes it okay, but, like, the random – you know, I, you have to write the rule, um, and, and I don't guess there can be exceptions. I guess there could be on, you know. Um, I, and maybe, you know, they did implement a rule – uh well no that's different anyways, um so yeah that 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 part's probably fair where you know it's Easter weekend where you weren't in school Friday and you're probably not maybe in school tomorrow, um so I get that but like the random series like Ole Miss last year or last week in College Station I didn't feel like they probably needed to stay there five days I don't know I I'm just a little bit more okay with that role than everybody else. Fair enough I just I, it's gonna I, I don't know at the end of the day like these kids didn't come here to play school now like, here here's where I get annoyed I will say this, um. They don't let teams – usually the SEC office will not allow teams to do double headers on Thursday. If you're going to have that rule, you have to allow them to do a double header on Thursday. Yeah, I agree with that. I, you know, so, that's why Ole Miss went – okay, that, I was thinking of that year at Arkansas. That was actually a Friday double header where they finished yeah. up the series. That is a dumb yeah, rule. But they couldn't have done so, – so the thing with that series was they played Friday at 12 o'clock. And got and got the game over with because they couldn't play again 
Friday night or, and they knew they weren't going to be able to play Saturday. But I, somebody told me that they tried to do a doubleheader on Thursday and the SEC said no. So they're really giving them no outs. That's that's a bummer. So you're going to have a 29-game, uh, yeah. at least one team in each division with 29 uh, wins. And, you know, we talk about this. This is Arkansas because of this. And, look, it doesn't matter. It's April 9th. But they're now the uh, in first place in the SEC. You know, we, we talk about LSU. They are a very good team. What, they're 26-5 and five or whatever? Yeah. But they're not doing the Tennessee runaway with the West no. type thing. This is going to be – this is really two teams and a bunch of bad, honestly, which I never would have thought would be the case. It's Arkansas, LSU, and then a bunch of teams are like, are they any good at all? Is anybody? Yeah, like I'm think A and M's probably next. Is that right? They are. They're at five and seven, and Alabama, who has not won a series, is at four and eight. Good lord! And Auburn's Ooh, at four and eight. Then it's State and Ole Miss. Yeah. Ooh, God help them. So, so not 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 great. No, it's uh, it, it is not. But um, you know, good on South Carolina. I think they probably got a pretty good club this year. That was their uh, only their second. So then you look at the other side of the bracket, or sorry, I say the other side of the bracket, the other division. Uh, you got Florida sitting there nine and three in fourth place. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, yeah, because Kentucky's good. Had a tough weekend. Wild, my Wildcats had a tough weekend, but uh, uh, still a good baseball team. And then you know, Vanderbilt's really good, and South Carolina's really good. Um. Uh, Tennessee lost the series. I hate that for them. They did. They're now five and seven in the conference. Oh. And, uh, that was the series I was going to get to next. Very weird series. Florida kind of hammers them for two games. I caught a little bit of that Thursday game, and then Tennessee just destroys them fourteen to three in the finale. Like the, the no barn burners. I don't know if a closer pitch this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So just three maulings. Um, it's funny how baseball works. Yes, it is funny how baseball works. And then Kentucky loses two of three to Georgia. That's a little bit of anomaly. They, you know, they sweep state. They take two yeah. or three from Alabama. They sweep Mizzou. And then Georgia, who I thought was terrible, they may still be pretty bad, rolls in. And uh, they take two two or three and back yeah. in that series from the, uh, from the uh, Wildcats. Yeah, Kentucky, like, look, probably not an excuse to lose two games. But you're, if you're Kentucky with your pitching depth, um, you probably hated that you had to play two seven-inning doubleheader games um, on Easter weekend. That, that's probably not what you wanted to do. Yeah, definitely definitely not ideal. And they're still sitting in a fine spot at 9-3. and three. Yeah. I mean, done a good job with that club this year. And then Texas A&M takes a series at Auburn, which they're kind of in some ways the – the like if you want to point to like this didn't have to be this way in terms of how bad Ole Miss has been – I don't think A and M is uh, any good, but now they're sitting at five and seven, and they're fine because they managed to play a yep. take a series against Ole Miss, who's a, would be aptly described as a bad team right now, and Auburn, who's a bad team. Like you know, you know, as, as ruthless as this league is, sometimes you can still have bad teams in the mix at five and seven. I think A and M is like underscores that point. Yeah, yeah, you just do what you're supposed to against bad baseball teams, and A and M certainly done that the past two weekends. And then Mississippi State takes a series at Alabama. This was the surprise of the weekend. This is uh, good on State for one, not quitting sure. because it's been pretty demoralizing the way they've lost some of these games. Pitched it a little bit better this weekend and got a couple very clutch late hits, particularly in that finale. Um, Classic State, though, they win the series with a run rule mixed in uh, where they got run ruled. <laughs> but they win a series, and now all of a sudden Alabama's 4-8, and eight, and that's 4-8 and eight includes Florida, Kentucky, and State. Florida's pretty good. We talked about Kentucky being good. And uh, Arkansas in there as well. So I guess their schedule's been tougher than I, I, I let on. But uh, yeah. at some point, you probably need to win a series. Yeah, you got to win series if you're going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, apparently that was what Ole, how Ole Miss got in over NC State last year. So uh, the Crimson Tide certainly need to 
pick it up um, if they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I, I, you got to wonder if you're Alabama, if you don't make the tournament this year, kind of what where your future stands with, with what's going on. Yep, because he, he'd been in that classic mode of, okay, they're better, they're better, they're better. But at some point, that's got to result in uh, – it's got to result Man, in this... the postseason. Uh, yeah. And then the other one I'm missing is – oh, Vanderbilt took two at three from Mizzou. But Mizzou finally stopped the wagon that is Vanderbilt. They did lose a uh, a game, but uh, yeah, Mizzou pitches it well enough where they can beat anybody because they can just hold you down for a minute. And if you know some balls find holes, then you can win the game. Yeah, they feel very bubbly. Like I think they'll probably hang around because of the way they pitch it, but they didn't exactly capitalize uh, a ton, you know, off of that sweep of Tennessee. After that, they go to South Carolina and get swept, and then they got swept by what Kentucky the week for that. So. Uh, Tigers struggling just like Ole Miss are right now, and I believe that was all the series from the weekend. Yep, that'll do it. All right, man, I appreciate the time. As always, that's going to do it for our show today. <laughs> we'll check in Sunday. I, I I guess we'll – you know, it's a state series double hey, well, it's something yeah, to talk about. Yeah, you know, last last time the Rebs visited Starkville, we had a uh, – we did a podcast, so – we um, did, uh, and that was a, a, certainly an eventful one. That was one of the memorable ones. So we will do one, but, hey, if they're leaving that place 3-12, uh, and 12, honest to God, we might send you all on an early summer vacation and just <laughs> check back in on his ass-needed basis. But I appreciate the time, my man. We'll holler at you next week. All right. Sounds good, buddy.